This show is not for kids. Just because we have anxiety doesn't mean we have degrees in psychology or counseling. Everything you hear is purely opinion-based. If you are suffering from any chronic mental illnesses, we strongly urge you to seek professional help. And hey, thanks for listening. Have you ever done something strange in public just because you don't want to be around anyone? Possibly isolating yourself to avoid seeing others? Hello, and welcome to Anxious Humor. Today we'll be talking with our good friend Avi, who can definitely do a better job at introducing himself than I can. Uh, my name is Aviel, uh, but you can call me Azul. I understand that my name is pretty difficult to say, so Azul is perfectly fine for me. Uh, I'm 23 years old, I live in the wonderful state of Illinois, and the weather's really crappy, and I'm ready for autumn. <laughs> okay. Hello. <laughs> um, welcome, Avi. Um, so we're basically just going to be talking about, um, the big sad or, uh, depression, um, mainly. So have you ever dipped your balls in Thousand Island dressing? Jumping right into it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so real quick backstory, my birthday is in December, uh, December 28th, actually. So a couple of days after Christmas, a couple of days before New Year's. Uh, and here in Illinois, uh, it typically snows, you know, around December. Uh, and, it, you know, what's cool is it is in December it snows, but it doesn't get super cold until January. So, you know, it's right around that time where the snow is kind of bleh. Anyways, I had a birthday party when I was 13, and I had a bunch of friends over. We were all hanging out, having some tacos, chilling. Uh, and it was late at night. It was like 9 o'clock at night, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock. And one of my friends suggested I go play out in the snow in my boxers. And my dumbass 13-year-old self was like, yeah, that's a totally awesome idea. Might as well. So I stripped in my living room and I decided to run outside and play around in the snow. But what I didn't know was that it had recently snowed a couple days before then. And it, it was fluffy snow. Um... But what I didn't know is that it also kind of rained, sleeted a little bit. So when I ran in the snow, you know, I assumed it was just pure fluff. Um, the section that I ran in was actually pure ice. And I did a cannonball in and I cut my junk on ice. <laughs> um, literally on the inner thigh, right next to the uh, external genitalia area. And I cut my I cut my junk, and it was not a pleasant time. Let's just say that. Not <laughs> Big oof. Really funny situation though. Completely forgot about that story until then. <laughs> well, I'd I'd say that's pretty close to dipping your balls in Thousand Island it's dressing. The closest thing I, I've done, honestly, <laughs> was not as fun. I would say I'd say thousand dipping my junk in Thousand Island dressing would be way much more fun. Brianna, you want to go ahead with the other question? The, like, next, next like, the yes. first real question? Yes, the first real question. <laughs> okay. Um, 
so you did streaming for a little while on Twitch. Um, did streaming help your depression or did it like antagonize it in any way? How did that affect your mental health? Yeah, so um, streaming actually really did help me. Uh, just to, to further clarify, I've been streaming since like 2016. Um, but it was very on and off in 2016, a little bit hardcore in 2017. Uh, but last year, I took a really hardcore uh, in 2018, March of 2018. Um, it was a lot of fun. Like, I, like it genuinely did help me in my life. Um, you know, it was really cool. I got, I was able to get to the affiliate status, so I was able to make some revenue from it. Uh, I was thankful enough to have people, you know, you know, be charitable and you know, tip and sub and donate money. Like I was able to pay my rent from it for a couple of months, which was freaking crazy in itself. Let me say that. Um, yeah, like that was something I never expected. Um, and, and it really did help me because last year in January, uh, I worked at a Sam's Club. I worked at a Sam's Club from like 2015 all the way to 2018. Uh, but unfortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but unfortunately, uh, the branch decided to close down the Sam's Club that I worked at. Um, I live, I live in an area uh, in Illinois along the Mississippi River. So, I, so I live right along the border of Iowa and Illinois. It's like a 15 minute car drive from my apartment across the bridge to Iowa. You know, we live in an area where we are considered, uh, you know, a, a localization area. It's called the Quad Cities. It involves two cities from Illinois, two cities from Iowa. Um, so it's a very localized group. And there were actually two Sam's Clubs in the area. One of them was in Iowa, and then the one I worked at was in Illinois. Uh, so they unfortunately decided to close down the Illinois branch, uh, and I was kind of stuck out of a job. And um, trying to scramble, I was, I was able to thankfully transfer to the Davenport Club, um, but it was across the bridge, and unfortunately I didn't have my own car. I shared one with my dad. So unfortunately it was very tough you know, trying to, in the span of a week, you know, January, early January, I lost my job. I got laid off trying to figure out what are the job to find, trying to figure out if I could transfer to Davenport, so on and so forth. Um, and that was one of the, that was one of the most stressful periods of my life. And, and streaming really did help alleviate the pressures from that. It was so much fun. You know, even though I was exhausted 24 seven, it was really fun to, to stream and, and to have an audience and, and just to play games together. Um, but, but it did also antagonize it in a certain way, uh, probably around like July, you know, almost a year ago, honestly, a year ago to July. Um, I started to get too focused on numbers and um, it, it really took its toll. You know, I, I averaged around like, you know, seven to 10 plus people per stream, which is really cool. But when I started to get less than those numbers, I really let that aspect get to my head. And it really discouraged me as well as IRL things. Just it, it, it was a really, really crappy time during that point. You know, like I, like I got, I got so anxious to show my face because I used to use a webcam. I got really anxious and would turn off my webcam whenever I would stream um, and, and, you know, sometimes I got really uncomfortable when I, when people asked if I could use webcam, it was just, a, it was a big mess, you know, unfortunately. And it sucks that it came to that because I really did love streaming and I miss streaming tons. It was really one of the most fun, and fun times of my life. And it was a highlight. I genuinely love it. 
Well, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I've I've dabbled in streaming as well, uh, but I'm just not one of those people that can sit down and talk uh, for hours uh, about the video game that I'm playing. <laughs> it's kind of hard because you run out of you run out of things to say, and then you're just sitting there, and that's that's my issue with it. Um, so I know that I'm not very good at it. I mean, it also doesn't help with the game that you play, also, because like. I played a lot of Fortnite back then, and, um, you know, Fortnite blew up last year around March, you know, February, March, and April with the whole Ninja and Drake thing, which was crazy cool, by the way. Um, but, you know, I'd never really played Battle Royales before, so I was getting into it, and, you know, I tried. I tried to play Fortnite, but I just, Battle Royale games just aren't for me, man. They're just not. You know, I got like, I love Fortnite. Like, it's really cool. Like, it's one of the coolest things out there. I love what it's done for gaming, the gaming community as a whole, the crazy cool things that it does. You know, we just had the World Cup literally, you know, three days ago, and a 16 year old kid won $3 million from the tournament. Like, that's so freaking cool. I love what Fortnite has done. Didn't like a younger kid come in like sixth place or like a lower place and still get a million dollars? Uh, it was a, I think it was a 13 year old kid, and I think he got like 900k or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fucking insane. Well, yeah, what I was reading was that like first place was three million, and tenth place was two hundred and twenty-five thousand. Exactly. Quit my job. <laughs> Let's all just quit and start playing <laughs> Fortnite again. <laughs> that was for the duos, wasn't it? Uh, it. Ooh, I don't know. Or was it the 50 v 50? I know. I know I was reading the duos. I don't know. That was the um, price or the, the win gap on the on the duo matches, but I don't. It might have been the same for the rest of the game modes, but um, I know all I know is that Booga, the guy who won, the kid who won three million dollars, it was it was the solos, the solo tournament. Um, so I so I know that he won that. I don't know about the others, unfortunately, but. But exactly, like, I love what Fortnite has done for the gaming community, and, you know, I appreciate Fortnite as a whole. It's just not a game that I'm into, unfortunately. Just not into BRs. So, you know, I, you know, I, I play Destiny 2 all the time. Like, D2 is what I play. It is the game that I play daily, and I wasn't as invested back then as I am now. So, like, you know, after Fortnite, I was like, well, what do I play now? There's really nothing else to play, you know, because Call of Duty at the time, you know, it wasn't fun. And, you know, the only other game I love to play was Breath of the Wild, you know, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I still play that game. Love it. Rihanna's over there making goofy faces because she loves it, too. It's such a good game. So does my mom. Yeah, it is. It is a very good game. And it's not a mom joke. She really does love it. (laughs) My mom. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) My mom loves it. Yeah, so that that game, you know, I I love streaming that game, and I did stream it all the time. You know, my typical schedule of streaming was uh, I would stream... Uh, Breath of the Wild first for like two or three hours and then end the night off with Fortnite. Um, but, you know, Breath of the Wild is a two-year-old game and you know, it, it doesn't get a lot of viewership in the directory on Twitch. So, you know, it, you know, whenever I'd play the game, not a lot of people would come, unfortunately. Uh, but I did have a lot of fun playing it. And it just, I don't know, just the unfortunates of old games, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Twitch. If you're going to be a Twitch streamer, you got to stay on top of, like, what's popular. Yeah. Of course. If you want to be relevant. Of course. Yeah, That's so... That's how money's uh, made. Of course. you got to hop on the on the hype train, or you have to be an established person playing the game. Like, like Overwatch. Like, Overwatch. 
the, you know, the reason the game is still relevant is because of known people. They play that game, you know, consistently. Like, my personal favorite is Kefri. Like, I love Kefri. And he's he's great. And he, you know, he streams Overwatch all the time. And, you know, but what's unfortunate, like, is when he plays Apex. Like, I love watching him play. Like, I love Apex as well, too. Freaking awesome game. But it's a BR. Not so much for me. But I love it. I love watching it. And when Kef plays, when Kefri plays Apex, his viewership drops like by like 300 people. And it's so unfortunate, you know. But I guess that comes, I guess it comes with the personality as well, too. You know, the people who stay like you because of your personality. And I like him because of his personality. So just the unfortunate of streaming. So um, do you know, have, have you been like officially like diagnosed with uh with depression or anything else like that clinically no because i've never really gone i haven't unfortunately gone to the doctors but you know you know i've had it for all my life you know i i finally accept and the thing that sucks about it as well too is i didn't really believe it until last year when i was 22 that's when i finally accepted it but looking back you know i've been depressed as early as like 15 14 you know, it, it unfortunately runs in my family as well, too. It runs on my mother's side of the family. Um, so her entire side has it. You know, my mother has it. My younger brother, uh, grandmother, uncles on her side. You know, unfortunately, my, my little sisters might have it when they grow up, which is going to suck. But, you know, it's it was bound to happen. And the thing that sucks about it as well, too, is like, you know, I grew up in a Mexican-American household. And for those that don't know mental health w isn't really acknowledged in specific Mexican families just because that's just the way of the culture, unfortunately. So growing up, a lot of my family and a lot of my friends as well, too, just told me I was just, you know, being, quote unquote, sad. And like, that didn't really help at all because, you know, I'd be like 16, come home from school, be like, why am I sad? dad would be like you know what there's no reason to be sad you have a house you have video games to play you're cool and i would think to myself you know yeah why am i being sad you know i've got everything i need why am i sad and i just didn't know that my brain is fucked up and wired different yeah i i feel like that's a a big thing not just in the in, in the mexican-american community or some mexican-american families um because i know um our our first interview with antonio um he's in the same same kind of uh position that you were in as far as like uh having a family that's that that doesn't really look into it as much um and tries to i guess divert the uh divert the questions and the feelings uh away so that it's not as big of a deal very true very true you know, it, it really is unfortunate as well, because like, you know, growing up with it, you know, it really sucks because, you know, in high school, I didn't have necessarily a lot of close friends. I had a lot of acquaintances. You know, I was the type of person that juggled, you know, from group to group. You know, I had friends in, in the jock club. I had friends in the preppy club. I had friends, you know, who were nerds. Um, but I stuck to myself. You know, I was the kid who listened to music and played video games all the time. And, you know, the close friends that I did have were just assholes. And I'm not friends with, like, 99% of all of them. Like, 
like 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 one of the biggest catalysts towards my depression as well too was when I was 18, you know, um I was I was seeing this girl. Um I was I was dating this girl since we were 17 and we were in high school. Um on and off throughout high school it was a very poor relationship. She was not very open, not very into talking, communicating and feelings and stuff like that. While I was I was on the opposite spectrum, you know, I wanted to know everything. What's wrong? What can I do to help? So on and so forth. And she wasn't like that. And I tried to encourage her to be that way. And it was just very rocky on and off throughout the entire, you know, year and a half we were together. But but what what really sucked and what, you know, was kind of like one of the initial catalysts for my depression um, was in, you know, the beginning of autumn 2014, like September, October, November 2014. Um, she She wanted to take a break. She wanted to, you know, take a break. Let's just, you know, try and remain as friends. And I know what a break means. A break is a thousand percent like, hey, I want to go fuck other people. And if that doesn't work, come back to you. Like, that is exactly what a break is. And I knew that. You know, I was 18. I, I knew that. But I loved her. So I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll, let's try and work on this. Let's try and figure this out. And, and for the next month and a half, it was just back and forth, hot and cold. You know, she would, you know, she wanted to be with me. She didn't want to be with me. She wanted to be so on and so forth. Like, she essentially just used me as a fuck buddy. She would come over in the mornings. Her, the when she, Our local college was kind of, like, a ways away from her house. She lived in the outskirts of town. I lived in town. It was, like, a five-minute drive from my house to the uh, college. It was, like, a 25-minute drive for her. So she would go to class in the morning, come to my apartment, then go back to class, continue on, so on and so forth. And so she would essentially use me as like, hey, I don't want to waste gas. I'm going to chill at your place and then go to college. Um, so it was like that for a couple of months. And, and the thing that sucks about it as well, too, is uh, one of my best friends growing up, he, uh, he and I were locker buddies um, for, the, for all four years of, of high school, freshman all the way to senior year. We had a bunch of classes together. Uh, he was one of my best friends in high school. Um, unfortunately... It just ended up coming down to her essentially cheating on me and leaving me for him and him not talking to me about it in the slightest. And uh, in November, November of 2014, that's when I, I had known, like you have that instinctual feeling, you know, I'm, I'm fairly clairvoyant, so I can kind of tell people's intentions without people saying things. I, I kind of have that intuition, I suppose. So I assumed something was up, but I didn't want to accept it or believe it. And unfortunately, it turned out to be exactly what I thought was happening. Um, and so, you know, my best friend and the person that I cared for the most at the time were hooking up behind my back. And then she left me to go date him. Uh, and I was left in the dark. And that was one of the biggest catalysts uh, early on for, for why I was sad. And, you know, you know, it's been years. I've accepted it. I've let it go and moved on. You know, they're married now. They live together. They've been married for like a year and some change, something like that. So more power to them. I'm not mad. Like, I'm not mad anymore, nor hurt. But like, there's a, there's a lot of trauma that came from that. Like, a lot of trauma that came from that shit. Oh, I totally understand that. I, I've been in the same boat for the most part um, in a couple of my relationships uh, before, <laughs> before Rihanna. Um. So I, I totally get that that was a uh, a traumatic experience that kind of like contributed to a lot of a lot of issues mentally. Uh, it does take a lot to get over um, 
toxic relationships but that's definitely something for another another episode <laughs> very true yeah but but like it it, it really sucks because like you know you know my from that my trust you know i've got very large trust issues it's very hard for me to trust new people um and i, I can't confide in many people anymore and, and you know like you guys like i love you and i can trust you with my life and i love each and every one of you but like you're the only close friends that i have and you know you know, you guys all live so far away from me, and it's, like, so sad. And I just want to see you guys. But, yeah, that was one of the early catalysts for uh, for my depression and stuff. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, big question. Does humor help you cope with your depression? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, humor is wonderful, and it helps, of course, with depression. Um, but, like, not nearly as much as some people would assume like i'm not necessarily a really funny person which is funny to say because my father and my brother hilarious so fucking funny they can pop a joke out out of nowhere they have hilarious innuendos pop it up just like at the snap of the and i'm not like that and it hurts me to my core <laughs> it's so funny though ouch yeah uh, big ouch <laughs> Um, like, like as, as weird as it is going to as weird as it is to say, it's going to sound weird as well too, but like, like sad things make me feel better. It's very like counterintuitive, super mundane. Like there's that whole meme, you know, oh, when you're sad, you listen to sad music. It makes you feel even sadder, you know, but like for me, it's the opposite. Like I, I love listening to sad music and, and, you know, everyone talks about how, you know, gloomy and rainy days are super depressing and super sad and everyone hates them. But like me, an intellectual, they're actually great. An intellectual. Yes. Yeah, those are my those are my <laughs> favorite days. Rainy and gloomy days are my favorite. Like I love waking up and looking out the window and it's just gray and blue sky, barely any sun. It's either rainy or, you know, bare look on look like looks like I can't even talk. My God <laughs> looks like it's going to rain. Like those are my favorite days. And, you know, I guess, you know, this whole dreary aspect, doom and gloom kind of outlook, it just, it does make me feel better, which is weird. But, like, you know, the reasoning it does is because it essentially makes me and reminds me that, you know, hey, I can still feel emotions. That's cool. I haven't gone completely numb with life. You know? Yeah. Yikes. Like, sad music, it makes everyone cry and such. And, like, it makes me cry, too, but it makes me, like, feel... It's a good cry. It's a good cry. Everybody needs a good cry every once in a while. Because everyone wants to wallow in their own self-pity. Sometimes we just need some, you know, self-pity. Very true. It works. Like... I'm here for it. Like, it really does. Like, like music is, is a huge factor of what I am. And it, it was more so a larger factor growing up than it is now. Um... And my my music taste, for those that don't know, I listen to metalcore, uh, metalcore, uh, as well as chill step. Huge switch in directory, but it's like metalcore, melodic dubstep, huge vice versa. But I get that too, because I I listen to a lot of like, uh, a lot of like death metal and metalcore as well. But I also listen to classic jazz and Hell yeah. like big band jazz. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I'm here for like anything right. as long as it as long as it's got a good tune and makes me feel yeah. good. I feel like the more anxious you've gotten, you've stopped listening to death metal as much. Yeah, no, 
over the past like few years, um, I have kind of like toned down a lot of the um, everything. Yeah, a lot of like the fast paced like metal and stuff, just because like messes with my anxiety a little bit, makes me uh, makes me feel a type of way. Um, but I still enjoy it, just not nearly as much as I do like. 80s rock or uh, <laughs> or jazz like that comes with age like I'm a firm believer as well too for anyone who listens to metal or has grown up listening to metal that like you know everyone's tastes change like I grew up and I listened to heavy metal you know I listened to all that remains I listened to motherfucking oh my god Atreyu I love Atreyu oh my god I so love Atreyu to this day mm-hmm. so much but I listened to hardcore heavy metal Kill Switch Engage Avenge Sevenfold Atreyu you know, of course, Breaking Benjamin, all that good stuff. Butt um, rock! Butt rock. All that good <laughs> stuff, you know, back in 2006 and 2007. Um, and while I can still listen to them, it just doesn't do it as much for me anymore. It just doesn't give me that satisfaction like metalcore does. You know, like like The Word Alive, Less the Fall, uh, The Color Morale. You know, and, and recently there's a band that I love. They're called If I Were You. Uh, they released an album in December, and... No exaggeration, I listen to that album every single day. Every single day. I listened to it this morning while I was taking a poop. It's such, it's such a wonderful album. And, and music has is, is been so impactful for my life and for who I am. Um, yeah, music is important for your daily, uh, your daily bowel movements. 100%. Can't poop without it. <laughs> you know, side note, what's kind of funny about that. Um, when I was younger, growing up, this is super embarrassing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Growing up, for some reason, until I was like 16, I could not poop unless I took my shirt off. Hey, I mean, gotta be comfortable. I would have to take my shirt off, throw it on the bathroom floor, in order for me to go to the bathroom. I can't poop if first. I have shoes on. Same. Okay, same on that one. <laughs> and I prefer pooping without my pants on, but whatever oh that's cool that's natural they're like 90 percent off anyways go the extra right i just it's it's because i don't like to be hot while i'm pooping because it makes me more more anxious okay so like Mm. pooping in general makes me anxious though right right but there's some there's some like reason to that because like when you're straining you're like hitting the vagus nerve and blah 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 it can make your heart rate go fast anyway I mean, you're 100% right. It's a workout to poop, you know? It's a workout, <laughs> man. And I have, like, this small... Fa- I don't like to strain either, because if I strain, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm going to pop a blood... I'm going to go the Elvis Presley way. <laughs> anal, anal Fisher. Elvis Presley. Kevin Smith. That just ties back in, as I was saying, you know, music, listening to sad music. Um, You know, there was a band that I listened to more back then than I do now. Uh, they're called The Color Morale. Um one of my favorite bands and they are a band about, you know, mental illness and self-help and, and such like that. Um, and I found them when I was 17 and, you know, they, they like, like when I say this, I, I don't mean it as an exaggeration. They quite literally saved my life. Um, you know, most people don't know. Uh, and it's crazy to say as well too. Um, but I did almost have a suicide attempt when I was 17. Um, it was, it was a rainy April night, beginning of April, no, beginning, end of March, beginning of April, something like that. Uh, and, and I almost had a suicide attempt one night. Uh, and that band, you know, I, I wasn't as into them. You know, I, I heard of them. I listened to a song a couple times. 
but it didn't really catch me. Uh, and that night, when I wanted to do it, you know, that band just suddenly came on, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And, you know, the, the one of their singles that they had, it's a song called uh, Strange Comfort. It's about dealing with your with uh, with suicide and stuff like that. It was it was crazy. Like like of all songs in the universe to come on on a random shuffle, it was that song. And you know that band literally saved my life from that point on. Like I have a tattoo of their band on my leg right now. I'm looking at it. It's on my leg. Like it, like sad music just makes me feel better like a thousand percent. And and. And that just goes along with, you know, the question, does humor help with depression? Of course, you know, listening to comedies and stupid vines and TikToks are hilarious. I love those. But it doesn't come near close as what it's like to listen to sad music on a rainy day in the middle of April. My go-to rainy day thing is uh, watching The Goonies. That always cheers me up. The Goonies, man, that sounds like so much fun. You have given me an idea, sir. Yeah. Try it out. And now it's time for a short break. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our, our our next segment. And it's new, a new segment called <laughs> Anxiety Corner, where we talk about weird social anxiety things on the Ask Reddit community. Oh, God. Isn't that this whole podcast? So from Reddit user, actually Lava Girl. Talking to my boss after a long day of exams and assignments, I go to leave and she catches the door before I can leave to say goodbye. For some reason, my wired brain made me give her finger guns and say zoop as I walked away. And I thought about <laughs> it the whole way home. <laughs> I think my uh, my go to uh, thing now is finger guns and zoop. Yeah, but you do it ironically you think it's ironic okay but it was ironic at first and now you've done it so much it's become unironic <laughs> yeah it's perfect personality trait now wow i mean so i don't do something like that like i don't really do finger guns that much I, i'm kidding i actually do finger guns all the fucking time just double finger guns at that i i do snap finger guns like i snap yeah. my three fingers and then like make like a gun snaps that's what i do but in a situation like that, like the boss comes up to me as I'm leaving the door, like my my go-to awkward phrase is like, "Thanks, man. You too." Just walk away. Always. No matter what they say, it's just no like, matter, "Thanks, you too." It, yeah, no, that's seriously my quirk that I have. Anytime, because I used to work in Sam's Club and that's retail, and anytime a customer would say something to me like, "Oh, thank you so much. Have a good day. Thanks, man. You too," and just start in the opposite direction. That's my go-to thing. Yeah, or when people say, um, say like, oh, see you soon, and then you're like, yeah, you too. Oh my god, I do that all the time. When we respond, it just comes out as our uh, <laughs> pre-recorded message. Predictive text. Yeah, predictive text, basically. That's awesome. So, uh, this next one's kind of kind of long, but it's I, I think it's sure. totally worth it. Um, so, uh, this one comes from Reddit user of the name Trial Obite. Or a trilobite, probably. No, I think it's trilobite. I think it's like a wordplay. Maybe. Whatever. I'm bad at wordplay, so it doesn't make a difference to me. The other day at my small office, I went into the bathroom to fix my shirt, uh, which 
I had worn inside out. When I went to the stall bathroom, uh, it was empty. As I flipped my shirt around, someone walked into the stall next to me. I also used some toilet paper to wipe my nose because I've got a slight cold and dropping the paper into the bowl. This triggered the auto flush sensor and it flushed. My predicament began when I realized I also had to pee, but since I already used TP and flushed my <laughs> twisted mind, decided to decided this would seem really weird to the person next door. Why would someone use the bathroom flush then stand up and pee again? Uh, said no one ever. They might recognize my shoes and know who I was. Uh, so instead, I hatched a clever deception. I left the stall and washed my hands to seem normal, despite that I hadn't even used the bathroom. Uh, after drying, I walked loudly to the exit and opened the door into the hall. Then I said, oh, excuse me, like I accidentally bumped into someone else coming in and walked right back in. I made sure to change the sound of my footsteps walking more quietly so the stall man would think that I was a different person and not some freak playing bathroom charades. Then I went to the urinal and peed and washed my hands again using the farthest sink that I could so that he wouldn't spot my shoes. So I also have... Damn. <laughs> I also have a, a bathroom anxiety like that, like public bathroom anxiety. I've done that exact same thing before. Like, not with the <laughs> shirt thing, but I... I worked at a Sam's Club, and, like, one of the bathrooms had, like, an automatic flush thing. And I went in there one day because I think I had to, like, fix something with, like, my my vest or something like that. And I was like, oh, I have to pee, so I might as well just go into the stall. And I was fixing my vest, and then it, like, flushed and the person next to me. And, like, I was like, I don't want them to think I have to pee twice. This is weird. So I just, I just left, walked out, got a drink of water at the water fountain, and came back in. And like changed my footsteps sounds you know tried to sound different oh my god so relatable oh my god so funny i was cracking up i don't really have that much social anxiety so i've never really done anything like that oh sorry you were looking at me like i should have some sort of response or relatable moment and i was like mm, well i don't i can poop in public so can you though can you really yes oh consider me envious the only reason I prefer to poop at home is because we have a bidet. Yeah. Hey. Oh, my social anxiety is terrible, man. So bad. God. Like, ugh. Like, ugh. it's so bad. Like, working at Sam's Club, man, and social anxiety, terrible combination, let me tell you. Because, like, stocking grapes. I used to work in produce. Stocking grapes, I would think, oh, my God. That woman who's two aisles over walking around the corner into the next aisle is going to notice that maybe I'm stocking grapes differently. And she's going to, like, tell my boss and my boss is going to yell at me for not stocking grapes correctly. Like, that's the shit that I had to go through. It's so annoying. No, I get that completely. Michael wouldn't let me leave him alone in Walmart today. I don't blame you on that. His social link. I mean, it's not awful, but it's pretty bad. I don't like going places by myself to, for the most part. If I have to, it's fine, and I feel I feel uh, accomplished when I do do things on my own. Uh, <laughs> but it helps to have a, a second party. Right. I, I freak the fuck out when people knock on my door, my apartment. Oh, me too. Like, like so that? My dog. <laughs> like, so much anxiety just drives through my, through my brain. Or phone calls if numbers I don't know. Like, 
if it's someone who I don't know and it's a random phone call, I will not answer it ever. I probably won't ever check the voicemail. I never answer my phone. I, I just wait for people to stop calling and then I respond to them with a text. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm not busy, but I just don't want to talk on the phone. <laughs> I just don't like talking on the phone. Like, personally, I just don't like talking. I would rather text. Yeah, I feel like that comes from our generation kind of like 100% being being the ge- the generation that started with regular like landline phones and we kind of progressively moved towards uh smartphones and like texting so we were in that like gap uh generation that has like everything yeah it's also uncomfortable like like if you're on long phone calls and you have the phone to your ear for like a half hour like the phone gets hot and when you're done, your phone glass is, like, sweaty. Like, that's uncomfortable, man. Like, Yeah. Gross. Speakerphone for the win. And that's fun. See, I hate speakerphone. It's a lost loss for me. <laughs> I hate talking on the phone, and I hate talking on speakerphone. And I hate when people talk on speakerphone. Like, bitch, this is a private conversation. Talk to me. <laughs> I don't want people knowing my business. I think that'll be it for uh, for today, anyway. Um Thanks for thanks for chatting with us, Avi. We really appreciate it. Um, would you like to say anything as like encouragement to people with similar similar issues? Just take it one day at a time, man. Um, you know it's tough. Like, it really is tough. You know, and like I really I really do envy people who don't have to deal with this every day or deal with it to a lesser degree. I really envy those people. Um, but as as with the the band that I listen to, the Color Morale tattoo that I have on my body is their third album name. And it's called No Hope. K-N-O-W. No Hope. And you know, that's like those two words alone just single handedly save my life. And they continue to save my life every single day. That's why I have those two words tattooed on my body. No hope. That's some good advice from you and them, I suppose. There's a reason I love them. I love each and every one of you. I believe in you. You can get through this day. You can get through this week. You can go to your stupid shitty job. You can go to your fucking stupid loser-ass school. But when you're done, you can come home, change into comfy pants, and sleep. I believe in you. (laughs) And I love you. Accurate. That's it for me. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. No, thank you, Avi. Hey, if you listen to this show, go check out our iTunes and give us a good review. It would mean the world to us. The more reviews we have, the better chances people will discover our podcast and subsequently talk about their bowel movements. Thanks for listening to an episode of Anxious Humor. This episode was produced by Michael Harkins. The voices of Anxious Humor are Michael and Rihanna Harkins. You can subscribe to our mailing list and find more information on the podcast at www.anxioushumor.com. If you'd like to talk with us about your darkest fears and anxieties, or even just chat with us about how you cope, give us a call at 864-719-2205.